G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face, to helping you understand the issues going on in the world, to clear and understandable Bible teaching, all peppered with great Christian music, the latest news, and even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Our guest through this coming hour, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby. Hello, Lyle. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Uh, good to be with you again in this new year. Well, thank you uh, for making the time to uh, to share your insights with us on 2020, Lyle, because uh, Parliament's back today and it's a big year ahead. I hope you had a little bit of time, uh, rest, recuperation, uh, a little bit of refreshing over this past uh, month or so. Uh, because it's going to be a big year for people like yourself at the Australian Christian Lobby. Yes, it is. Uh, thanks, Neil. And, and yes, I was uh, very privileged to have a, a good break, as has our team uh, here in Canberra and around the nation, and we are looking forward to a big year. Um, you're right, the, the parliamentarians have flown back into Canberra last night, uh, ahead of uh, Parliament resuming tomorrow. There'll be various uh, meetings today in the Parliament, um, party room meetings and discussions about the legislative program ahead. And of course, Everyone's very focused on uh, what will be an election year sometime, most likely, later uh, in, the, in the second half of the year. And Lyle, there's a church service on tomorrow. Do you get to go along? Yes, um, yes, there is. And uh, yes, myself and uh, the ACL team will all, uh, as many of us who can, will get along to that. It's at quarter past seven tomorrow morning at the uh, Wesley uh, Uniting Church, which is um, just a stone's throw from Parliament House. Uh, it's it's a great tradition of the opening of each parliamentary year. For many, many years now, uh, parliamentarians from both sides gather uh, for a church service to mark the commencement uh, of the parliamentary year. Okay. Well, I know that'll be a, a, a highlight for you tomorrow. And uh, actually, it's a, a highlight for what happens on the political calendar, I think. Uh, all those politicians going along to church. It does, in some ways, doesn't it, uh, you know, put a mark on politicians who actually turn up to that church service. Uh, do you uh, do you look at who's there and say, well, you know, this is great. They're actually exposing themselves to uh, to the to the Christian side of politics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think many Australians would be uh, pleasantly surprised to see there's a a large number of MPs and senators from both sides of the aisle uh, who who attend this service on a regular basis. Um, Last year, uh, Bill Shorten and uh, Tony Abbott were both in attendance reading uh, from the Bible. I'm not sure what the program is tomorrow. It'll be very interesting to see whether the new Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, is there and whether Mr Shorten's there again. I'm sure they've been invited. Um, but, uh, you know, th- th- there's a large number of, of MPs who, who do attend that. And I think it just shows that, um, that there is a faith that resides deep in the hearts of many of our political leaders. And that's a good thing. 
Uh, Lyle, I've been talking about our discussion today and the idea of surveying the political landscape as we get uh, the first of the parliamentary sittings underway this year and uh, the fact that you're going to be monitoring things very uh, closely uh, through the whole year and it's a very, very big year ahead. Uh, There's a number of things for us to talk about and I want to invite listeners to join into our conversation at 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be part of our conversation today, one 316 Let me ask you first, Lyle, about, uh, about Malcolm Turnbull. Uh, the looming shadow of Tony Abbott, is there uh, concern? Uh, what's your take on the fact that Tony Abbott uh, is going to be standing again for re-election and uh, there are the fears that he'll be another uh, Kevin Rudd in that sense of uh, undermining the Prime Minister? Uh, what are your thoughts and what's your take on, uh, on the Tony Abbott and uh, Malcolm Turnbull relationship? Yeah, I think it's um, quite understandable that any change of leadership in the circumstances that we saw last year, regardless of which side of politics uh, does this, and and I suppose what I'm referring to is a a leadership coup where a sitting prime minister is essentially uh, deposed by his or her members uh, of of his or her own party. So that's obviously an awkward dynamic. Uh, so that's the first thing, and that's always going to be a tough thing for any political party to negotiate. And, of course, Labor had a terrible time because Kevin Rudd um, uh, actively worked to get back into the position and, and achieve that, and, and there was uh, a lot of bloodletting, and it was not a not a very nice time in Australian politics. Tony Abbott, when he lost the Prime Minister last year, uh, vowed uh, not to be sniping from the sidelines. He said he would take some time to consider his future. He's done that over the Christmas period and he's now announced that he will be remaining in Parliament. That's a perfectly legitimate thing for uh, a former leader to do. Uh, there's certainly plenty of precedent for this. Uh, Billy Hughes uh, is one. Um, Fadden is another. Uh, I think uh, John Gorton, uh, Gough Whitlam. Uh, there's a whole range of, of uh, former Prime Ministers who have decided to remain in Parliament having lost the prime ministership one way or the other. So that's a reasonable thing. Um, what does that mean for the dynamic? Well, obviously, Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott have different views on on different issues, and um, and uh, none more so than this issue of, of uh, marriage, which has been in the headlines uh, quite a lot over the last week or so. It's been unbelievable. Anyone would think this is the most important issue facing the nation. Uh, but um, the, the, the final point I'd make about this is the media love to play up this dynamic and make probably more of it than what is already there. Yes, there there are differences. There are obvious tensions. um, That's just a fact of life. But then the media turbocharge those dynamics, and, and that's what we're seeing play out right at the start of this parliamentary year. Well, there are relationships uh, within the government. And uh, if we talk about uh, Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott, let's talk about uh, relationships and polls uh, that are uh, government and opposition. Uh, Talking about uh, Malcolm Turnbull in the opinion polls, uh, Bill Shorten, uh, who did gain back a little bit of ground in one poll that I picked up on a little earlier this morning. But uh, what about Bill Shorten? Is he dead in the water as an opposition leader? Uh, Do you take a sort of a diplomatic role when it comes to the way you think about these things and the sorts of statements you make, Lyle, because uh, it doesn't look like uh, that under Bill Shorten the Labor Party has much of a chance of any sort of election uh, in the federal election coming up. Uh, What's your take on opinion polls, Turnbull versus Shorten? Yeah, I think your observations are quite right, Neil, Um, and this is not a partisan statement on my part, but I think 
Uh, any observer of politics can see that Bill Shorten is not travelling well. Uh, he has struggled to uh, get cut through, uh, particularly since uh, Malcolm Turnbull became Prime Minister. The polls have been very good for Mr Turnbull. He's had a long honeymoon. Um, whilst they've dropped off a little bit for him, uh, Bill Shorten remains a long way behind. And uh, I think it's very hard to see him uh, winning uh, an election this year. Uh, but having said that, um, there's still potentially six or eight months uh, to the election, whenever it's going to be called. I don't think there's going to be an early election, although in politics anything can happen. Uh, but I think Mr Shorten is going to struggle, uh, continue to struggle to um, get cut through uh, under, under Malcolm Turnbull and um, and the government. But but having said that, that the government does have its own problems. There is this tension between um, the, the so-called moderates and so-called conservatives in the uh, Liberal Party. Uh, be interesting to see how all that plays out. But I think on any balanced assessment, I think Bill Shorten is certainly struggling and um, it's going to be a tough year for him going into the election. Well, of course, the question that uh, comes out of a discussion about Bill Shorten is uh, who is it that's waiting in the wings to take over? And uh, while Anthony Albanese comes to mind as the most likely contender, are there others that you're keeping an eye on? Yes, um, and again, these um, observations are based on my you know, reading of, of the media. I don't have sort of special insight necessarily. Um, but uh, Tanya Plibersek is certainly one who would seem to have um, leadership ambitions. Uh, certainly, the uh, and she's from the, um, the far left of the Labor Party. She holds an inner city seat in Sydney, as does Anthony Albanese. And, and what we've seen in Labor over the last um, six or eight months, particularly since their uh, national conference was held uh, in August down in Melbourne, uh, we, we've very much seen Labor captured by um, extreme left-wing ideology, particularly when it comes to um, social values like marriage and family. And um, Bill Shorten has been driven along with that. Uh, he's someone from the right faction of the Labor Party, but it, it, it would seem that the left are very much in the ascendancy, and uh, it would seem that uh, Anthony Albanese and particularly Tanya Plibersek would be um, very much lining up as, as future contenders should Mr... Uh, shorten, um, you know, not be able to achieve the sort of success that uh, that his caucus would be looking for him to achieve. Let me just ask you about uh, left and right and centre. You've got centre-left, centre-right. And uh, if we're focusing on the Labor Party and possible people who might be waiting in the wings to take Bill Shorten's job uh, if he's deemed not to have the goods to get Labor across the line, uh, where do you see Anthony Albanese, and you mentioned Tanya Plibersek, where do you see them on a spectrum if we're talking about uh, left and right? Yeah, they're certainly um, on the left of the party. Um, that They are both uh, members of the left faction of the ALP. Uh, and as I mentioned, both hold um, inner city seats, which are under a lot of pressure from the Greens political party. And uh, that's, that's also um, further exacerbated the push to the left in Labor. Um, Labor at their last conference passed some very extreme policy around LGBTIQ uh, political agendas, um, not the least of which was um, vowing to expel uh, members of the Labor Party after 2019 who, who don't support changing the definition of marriage in law. So, um, uh, and a whole raft of other things, which, which include putting same-sex rights well ahead of um, religious freedom um, in, in public policy. So Labor has adopted a very extreme agenda pushed along by 
the left, no doubt motivated by the pressure that it's facing uh, to hold some of these inner city uh, seats in Melbourne and Sydney and, and of course, Plibersek and uh, Albanese are very much in that category. Uh, so the ideological left in Labor is on the ascendancy and it is drowning out uh, more moderate views and um, we've, we've pretty much seen uh, a full-scale, uh, almost a complete capitulation uh, to the far-left radical social agenda uh, within the Labor Party. And that's a great shame because I know a lot of Christians uh, are rightly motivated by the social justice cause of Labor and, and, and want to support Labor, and I think they should. Uh, but uh, we need to, to weigh that up with um, the injustice that some of these policies are going to cause to, to children in the future and to freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join into our conversation, we're talking politics. We're talking about surveying what's happening on the landscape of federal politics as the federal parliamentary year gets underway. Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby is our guest. Lyle, we've been talking about Malcolm Turnbull, uh, talking about Tony Abbott, uh, the relationship there within the Liberal Party. Uh, We're also talking about Bill Shorten and the opposition and those who might be waiting in the wings uh, discuss the idea that perhaps Anthony Albanese or Tanya Plibersek might well be uh, either sharpening their uh, knives, uh, to use an expression, or just waiting for something to overflow that gives an opportunity for a change of leadership in the Labor Party. Uh, Let me ask you, uh, though, Lyle, uh, when it comes to this issue of left and right, and you're saying the Labor Party moving further left, more to a hard left position politically, have they been pushed to that point because uh, on the what was typically the conservative side of politics, that that conservative side under Malcolm Turnbull has moved left and it really is going to push Labor further to the left? No, I think this is something which has been gathering pace from well before Mr Turnbull assumed the Prime Ministership. Um, and uh, it really has been driven by the ascendancy of the Greens in inner city uh, areas of Sydney and Melbourne in particular, and probably Brisbane to um, a lesser extent, uh, Hobart a little bit as well. Um, you've seen uh, the likes of Andrew Wilkie, for instance, while he's independent. Uh, that's a very sort of green-minded um, seat down there in, in, in Tasmania. So it's very much been that. Um, factor that's been driving this. The the other really important thing that is in play, though, is um, when Kevin Rudd uh, lost the prime ministership and then uh, regained it again just ahead of the 2013 election, uh, he forced some changes upon the Labor Party and the way they select their leader to try and avoid party room coups happening again in Labor. And uh, so the rules were changed so that rank and file members of the Labor Party, branch members, could also have a say uh, in the selection of the parliamentary leader. Uh, Now, what that means is that um, it's less likely that the members of the Labor caucus can gang up on whoever the leader is, whether it's the opposition leader in Bill Shorten's case or whether it's a future Prime Minister for Labor, uh, and knock them off in the way that we saw uh, Tony Abbott knocked off by Malcolm Turnbull. I just forget the percentage weighting, but there's a percentage of of, uh, votes that uh, go to the rank and file uh, through a process, and then the the caucus or the members of the Labor parliamentary team have a certain percentage of votes. But it's not the case anymore that that decision is just up to the parliamentary team. The rank and file have to have a say. So for that reason, Neil, it's unlikely 
that uh, Bill Shorten will be knocked off uh, before the election um, because uh, it's just too difficult now uh, to, to organise that sort of a process in, in quick succession, as we've seen, you know, with, with the, the likes of Kevin Rudd being taken out in the middle of the night, if people remember back to uh, uh, 2010. It's interesting when you frame it the way that the Labor Party has set up uh, the process for a changing leadership because uh, because really uh, it would come down to a resignation from Bill Shorten. People would have to lean on him to actually uh, make that exit. Do you think that he is the sort of character that would, uh, would uh, be leaned on and would resign? Uh, if he does resign, it's probably because there's been a lot of pressure. Uh, look, I think um, you know that that's all hypothetical and it's possible. I think it's highly unlikely, though. Um, I, I think whilst uh, Bill Shorten's poll numbers aren't good, um, I, I think it is too early to to write him off uh, yet, as some commentators are doing. Uh, he's certainly under a lot of pressure. There's no doubt. And, I, and as I said earlier, I think it's going to be tough for him in this election year. But um, I I wouldn't see him going anywhere between now and the next election. I think we're into the election year. I think Labor will stick with uh, with Bill Shorten. Um, and, uh, you know, if he does lose the next election, uh, and anything can happen in politics, but if he does lose, I think then you would see some sort of a challenge to him after that. Sounds like you're thinking that the Labor Party has factored in the fact, the idea that they might not actually get across the line uh, in any sort of upset way uh, for a coming election this year. Oh, well, I, I don't know. These are, this is just my analysis, Neil, for, based on um, uh, you know my reading of the of the current situation. Um, uh, I, I think any observer looking at politics at the moment would would have to think um, you know that the Liberals are looking pretty good under Malcolm Turnbull, um, and uh, it's going to be very tough for, for the opposition. But you know, weeks a long time in politics, Neil, and uh, eight or nine months is an absolute eternity. So uh, it will be a fa- we are shaping up for a very fascinating year once again in Australian politics. There's no doubt. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation. Let's take a call. Rosemary is in Melbourne. Hello, Rosemary. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. Great to hear from you. Rosemary, what are your thoughts on our discussion today? Um, just a very brief comment, Neil. Um, the Holy Spirit just bringing to the forefront of my mind. I just wanted to mention uh, one short Bible verse, which is the Lord tells us, the Lord Jesus Christ, Almighty God tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is a very encouraging verse, and uh, that is something that no matter when you're in uh, real dire straits, uh, when things go particularly badly, particularly wrong, and you're applying that, Rosemary, to the idea of a political context too, where it seems to be that some of our uh, Christian foundations are being eroded. Uh, let's, uh, Lyle Shelton, your thoughts on Rosemary and sharing that verse, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, well, like you, Neil, I think that's uh, that's one of the most well-known verses in Scripture and, and one which we would always uh, want to apply uh, no matter what situation we're in, but particularly in hard times. And I'm sure it's one that many of our um, parliamentarians uh, who, who do have faith uh, would, would call on because uh, it's a very difficult and tough environment in politics. Um, for, for anyone who's had any close association with it, it, it's certainly not easy. It can be very bruising. And um, that's certainly a, a verse which uh, anyone in politics would want to take to heart. Thank you so much to Rosemary from Melbourne for your input. one 316 316 If you'd like to join in our conversation today, our talkback line open on one 316 316 
Uh, Lyle, I want to be able to uh, extend our conversation into the next hour and uh, not too long away from Vision Radio News and we'll continue our conversation into the next hour. I want to get a, a focus on marriage and I know that many listeners uh, will be uh, interested to hear some of the finer details on what's happening with marriage. But before we get into that, there's some things that are happening that uh, I'd like your perspectives on. Of course, Tony Abbott went to the U.S., and addressed the ADF, uh, a freedom organisation, a conservative organisation. There's been a lot of criticism of him doing that. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull, reluctant to make that criticism. What's your take on Tony Abbott uh, going to the US and addressing uh, groups that are, uh, you know, people are talking about them as right-wing groups as as, as, as though that's some sort of really bad thing? Yeah, just unbelievable uh, all this last week, Neil. Um, anyone would think uh, Tony Abbott was doing something that was wrong and inappropriate. Um, parliamentarians go overseas and address all sorts of groups all the time. Uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF, uh, is a well-known uh, Christian uh, legal organisation in the US. They, for many years, have been running cases to help defend Christians who have found themselves in trouble. They're defending the florist in uh, Washington State, the Baronel Stutzman, who uh, has been <laughs> sued by the Attorney General of Washington State because she declined very gracefully to uh, participate in a same-sex wedding by by arranging the flowers for it. That that's her, that should be her right as under religious freedom. Um, and there's many many other cases like this that ADF are involved in. And yet uh, the Australian media, some sections of the Australian media, went into apoplexy when they heard that. Tony Abbott was going to New York to address a special function that they were putting on at the UN, which which includes uh, ambassadors to the UN and very high-level people, very prestigious function. Uh, but uh, somehow uh, it's um, deemed, you know, not appropriate uh, if if parliamentarians address uh, groups which are pro-human rights for the unborn or pro-marriage between a man and a woman. Somehow that's um, a terrible, dastardly thing to be doing. I mean, one prominent commentator, Waleed Ali, uh, described. ADF as a hate group. Now that's just outrageous and um, thankfully Mr Turnbull corrected him on that uh, when when, uh, that was said on the project last week. But this is just how ridiculous um, things have got in Australia where uh, if if you associate with a group that's Christian, that's pro-life, that's pro-marriage, somehow you're doing something which is terribly wrong. And uh, good on Tony Abbott for pushing through the political correctness. Yes, well, terminology like gay hate group, uh, these are the sorts of name calling uh, that are going on uh, in all sorts of uh, circles. Uh, And simply being a Christian, these days you're likely to be uh, labelled some sort of a hater, which is really a complete contrast to what Christians are called to do and uh, Christians being people who are uh, reflective of the love of God, the love of Christ. That's Uh, exactly right. I'm really, really um, quite tired of this, Neil. Uh, Waleed Ali is a very prominent commentator. He's he's on the project regularly. Uh, He writes for the Age newspaper in Fairfax. Uh, you know, someone like that uh, should know better than just to to slur uh, people who have different views to him as as hate groups. Um, I'm really quite tired of this. I have people, um, prominent journalists on Twitter, uh, calling me a hater and a homophobe and a bigot and all these sort of things. And I always go back to them and, and respectfully say, well, hang on, uh, you know, before we get into names and slurs. Uh, let's uh, engage the argument. And um, it's so easy just to uh, to resort to, to name-calling and slurs uh, than to actually engage the argument. Um, and, and it's a way of um, trying to demonize
demonise people and shut down debate uh, without actually having to go through the intellectual process of having a debate. And so it's a very clever tactic by these people and uh, we shouldn't tolerate it uh, in, um, in the public discourse in this country because it, it just causes fear and intimidation and that's never the way to arrive at good public policy if you can't even have a discussion without being uh, slurred and demonised. I guess you hope that right-thinking Australians are going to be able to see through some of that smokescreen. Are you confident that Aussies can do that? Uh, yes, I, I think they. I, I am confident, uh, but I think we've got to have a lot more pushback on these people when they do. I think we, we've got to call them out and say, hang on, it's... Let, by all means, let's have a, a public debate. I'm, I'm very happy, and I'm sure Tony Abbott and any other parliamentarian standing up for the good of marriage, family, uh, human rights for the unborn, I'm sure any of us are happy to have our views publicly challenged. That's not the issue. Uh, what is at stake, though, is, is when uh, the debate resorts to slurs and name-calling, because that has a chilling effect on people and causes people to be intimidated and to stay out of the public square, and, which is, of course, their aim, so they can have one-way traffic uh, for them their uh, ideas, but I think we've got to push back Lyle, more. we'll continue our conversation yeah. after the news. Uh, <laughs> sure. We're going to go to news. We're back after the news, continuing, and one 316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Certainly good to have you along with us. It is the Monday edition of 2020 and a new format a little earlier with our talkback lines open and they are open right now. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation. We're surveying the landscape, the political landscape at the start of a parliamentary year. Parliament, Federal Parliament back today and uh, they're sitting through this coming week. Uh, you might have your own perspectives on some of the things we've been talking about over this past half hour with Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. We're talking politics, Malcolm Turnbull, relationships there within the Liberal Party, uh, Tony Abbott looming on the sidelines, uh, the idea of Bill Shorten and who perhaps might be waiting in the wings and uh, if he will continue on uh, to be the opposition leader into a federal election this year. We're going to be spending a little bit of time this hour talking through the issues of the marriage debate and Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby around these issues, always in a significant way and uh, in some respects uh, leading the pack when it comes to uh, insights and commentary on what's happening so far as a Christian biblical perspective goes. Uh, Lyle, before we get into marriage, and I want to invite listeners to be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316, we mentioned Tony Abbott going to the United States uh, late last week and addressing the uh, conference there for the Alliance Defending Freedom, the ADF, and described by some as, as some form of a hate group and uh, far from that, as we suggested. Uh, but your perspectives on some of the things that Tony Abbott said to that meeting in the United States. Uh, did he acquit himself well? Was he talking about uh, marriage? What sort of things did he deliver? Yeah, he, um, he he did acquit himself very well, Neil, and, and he did focus uh, the bulk of his remarks uh, on the issue of marriage and, and preserving marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, I read uh, the text of his speech that was released publicly uh, in the media and by his office, although with far less uh, fanfare, and the, the media didn't really <laughs> um, give it a very good uh, run in terms of prominence compared with the demonisation of him for going there in the first place. But um, in, in the speech, he, he gave a terrific 
defence of marriage between a man and a woman, saying we shouldn't uh, change the definition of marriage because that would further erode marriage as an institution. He talked about how much he respected uh, same-sex attracted people, including his own sister and uh, her partner, and how uh, her partner is part of the, the wider extended family. It's not about uh, exclusion or, or being uh, in any way... Um, uh, hostile to, to people who, who are in uh, same-sex relationships but he did point out the good of marriage and family and, and why children uh, particularly uh, wish to be raised by the mother and father wherever possible so these are not radical ideas and, and I think any Australian, any ordinary Australian reading his speech would have found it a very sensitive address, sensitive to people who are same-sex attracted, but also uh, clear and reasonable in its defence of marriage and why the definition of marriage shouldn't be changed in law. We were talking about the sorts of names that are bandied around, uh, the name calling, which uh, is a way to distract from the real argument, as you were saying, and uh, that group, the Alliance Defending Freedom in the United States, uh, referred to in one report in the lead up to that as right wing nutters. And uh, I suspect that whenever there's going to be uh, issues and uh, gatherings to talk about marriage between a man and a woman this year, those sorts of names will be bandied around some more. Uh, Is this something we have to get used to, Uh, perhaps get a bit of a thick skin about? Because uh, anyone who stands up for marriage between one man and one woman uh, for the benefit of children in a lifelong union is going to be criticised this year. Yes, they will be, but it's something we should never get used to, Neil. Um, and and uh, yes, we should develop a thick skin, but we must push back on this um, very firmly but graciously and say, hang on, um, it is okay for people to believe that marriage is between a man and a woman and to advocate for that in the public square because it has human rights implications for children if you change the definition of marriage. So we, we, we must not allow ourselves to be intimidated and bullied out of the public debate because we're going to be called names, right-wing nutters or, or gay haters or, or anything like this. These things which are completely untrue about any of us on this side of the debate and it just shows the shallowness, uh, the lack of intellectual rigour by people who need to resort to this sort of thing to try and win their argument. So I I would say to to Christians and Christian leaders particularly, we must not get used to this. We need to be bold, we need to be clear, we need to be gracious, but we need to keep speaking with courage into the public square so that uh, it becomes normal and that all of us have permission to speak about these issues. Otherwise it becomes one-way traffic and of course uh, ideas have consequences and bad ideas have consequences uh, if we don't speak up. Lyle, let's turn some attention to the marriage plebiscite, uh, which has been scheduled uh, for a time beyond the next federal election. Of course, if the federal election doesn't come until later in the year, you might assume that the plebiscite could be delayed further into next year. Uh, Is there any way you can make any predictions? And are there any uh, sorts of manoeuvrings to try and change that plebiscite in the way that it has been set up to run? Yeah, it's really um, been fascinating to watch what's been happening over the last uh, week or so. And 
And I think, you know, Tony Abbott's visit to the ADF, uh, that's been part of the, the commentary. But suddenly, um, at the start of this political year, the media are all in a flap about same-sex marriage. Now, the, the process which Mr Turnbull has outlined is that there'll be a plebiscite or a people's vote after the next election. And as you said, that uh, could well be later in the year, which means uh, the plebiscite probably wouldn't happen to 2017. I think that's the most likely scenario. But of course, this being... Um, a favourite issue of the media and uh, the gay lobby um, very very animated by it they have been working very hard to try and have the plebiscite scrapped so over the last week or so you've seen a lot of media commentary uh, people trying to question you know is it right to spend 160 million dollars on a on a plebiscite you know why don't we just throw it back into the parliament etc and um, a lot of work has been done to take this back off the people now I'd say two things to that one is um, if uh, the gay lobby and the media who are championing their cause are so confident this has overwhelming support in the Australian population, why fear it going to the people? Why all this white anting of the plebiscite? Uh, the second thing I'd say is that this has been given a very good go in the parliament. Uh, there's been 16 or 17 attempts to legislate this in the parliament in the last 10 years, all of, and most in the last five years. All have failed, so there's been lots of parliamentary manoeuvring. It's failed, uh, and as a result of that, uh, Tony Abbott, uh, when he was Prime Minister, and Malcolm Turnbull has confirmed this, uh, have said we're going to have we're going to give this issue to the people to decide. The Parliament hasn't been able to make a decision. Uh, let's go to the people. It's a it's an important issue. Um, rather than divide the nation, let the people decide uh, so that uh, it's got popular assent rather than uh, parliamentarians foisting this on them. So that's where we are at the moment, and um, I think it's uh, quite diabolical uh, that uh, the other side are, are trying to take this away from the people at the moment. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, our guest, uh, talking through issues, the broad political landscape as a new parliamentary year kicks off. And we're talking through the issue of marriage and the planned plebiscite. 1-800-316-316. Lyle, let's take a call or two. Let's hear from Shelby in Brisbane. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, yeah, good morning, uh, Lyle and uh, Neil. Um, uh, mate, um, I do have a couple of questions. Um, one um, is the uh, this eight p- proposed eight million um, that is being um, granted to, uh, I believe, the Faith School Coalition. Mm. How they got a name like that um, to put up the gay ideas? I don't know, but anyway, um, what is happening with that amount of uh, money? Um, there was some talk that. Uh, there were calls on Christopher Pine to defund that. Um, where is that? Uh, let's hear from Lyle. Uh, you've been following this issue along too, Lyle, the Safe Schools Coalition. Yes, yeah. thanks, Shelby, for the question. You, you're quite right. Uh, $8 million of uh, federal taxpayers' money has been allocated to this program. Uh, in answer to your question, that money is being used to um, send, put information out into 480 uh, to schools right around Australia. Some of those are primary schools. Uh, they are teaching children a very extreme uh, gender theory, uh, the idea that if a, a boy thinks he's trapped in a girl's body, that he should be allowed to wear a girl's school uniform to school, that he should be allowed to, wear, to use the girl's toilet facilities, uh, change facilities, and even on school camps be accommodated uh, with the girls, and vice versa for a boy who thinks he might be trapped in a, in a girl's uh, body. Now, this is, 
this is gender theory. It's not fact. Uh, there's plenty of people who dispute it, including leading feminists like Jermaine Greer. Uh, this is not just a, a Christian uh, concern. This is a concern of many people right across the society. And yet the Safe Schools Coalition is promoting this as well as many other extreme uh, sexual uh, experimentation, some of which uh, is of a very graphic nature that I wouldn't talk about on air. Uh, this is uh, um, being promoted by the Safe Schools Coalition in schools right now, uh, and it's a very worrying thing. Uh, ACL is working very hard to try and have it defunded and taken out of schools, uh, but we're having uh, trouble uh, getting support from politicians who are too scared to, um, to, to do anything that cuts across the uh, rainbow political agenda. Shelby from Brisbane, thanks so much for your question today. one 316 Let's hear from Warren in Tamworth in New South Wales. Hello, Warren. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, good morning, Neil. How are you, Lyle? How are you going? Very well. Yeah, thanks, Warren. Good, thanks, Warren. What are your thoughts? Um, actually, I just have a question for Lyle. Um, could Lyle help me understand what uh, plebiscite is? That's mm. um, an unusual sort of word. I just wondering, could you help me understand what it means, please? Yeah, that's a good question, Warren, and, and sorry that we're sort of talking shop here today. Um, th- there's a couple of ways that um, governments can, um, you know, work out the will of the people. The, the most common one is is a referendum, and I think we're used to referendums in Australian politics. We don't have that many, but um, they are generally used to change the constitution, um, and uh, they require a majority of people in a majority of states. Uh, so there's, there's sort of like a double majority that's got to be achieved, and they're used for constitutional matters. A plebiscite is different in that um, it's simply a, a just a, a national vote of the voting population um, to work out where they might stand on a particular issue. Um, they're not binding on the parliament in the way that a constitutional referendum would be, but having said that, I'm very happy for there to be a plebiscite on marriage because I think it would be a very brave uh, government that didn't take into account the will of the people. So, so this people's vote or plebiscite, um, it will it will poll the um, the voting population on where they stand on this issue of marriage to give guidance to the parliament, and then the parliament will legislate. And uh, I would expect the parliament, and now Malcolm Turnbull has said this, and, and even Tony Abbott has said said it. Um, I would expect the parliament to follow the wishes of the plebiscite. Um, so I hope that helps explain it a little bit, uh, Warren. Warren from Tamworth, thanks so much for your call. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Sue in WA. Hello, Sue. Don't get me started. Sue, what are your um, thoughts? Well, look, I wish everyone would read their Bible. I wish everyone would realise that God took a rib from Adam and made woman, and we're supposed to be as one. That what these people want to do, let them do it behind closed doors. But don't make it an issue so that we're called gay haters and all the rest of us. Marriage is sacred. Children are a gift from God. And the amount of money that they're wasting that could be going into the schools and the hospitals and for the poor is ridiculous. And look, maybe I'm old-fashioned, love, but... I'm just counting down the days till the Lord comes again and takes me off this crazy world. Sue, let's hear a few thoughts from Lyle. Lyle, your thoughts on what Sue's sharing? Yeah, Sue, I, I um, very much share your concern, and um, and I think you know even uh, if I can use the terminology of righteous anger at what's happening because this is unjust uh, for children to be taught these things, uh, for marriage to be redefined. Um, but I think that we've, we've just got to keep things in perspective and uh, very much trust God first and foremost. Uh, but then I think we've got to we've got to be speaking up and participating in our democracy. And I'm certainly um, I'm certainly hopeful that we can see things turn around. But it will take us as Christians and, and other 
people of goodwill in Australia rising up and saying enough is enough. And, and uh, we're very much at that point and uh, we really need to see leaders in particular uh, starting to speak out, speaking to their churches, speaking to the public square. Uh, but I'm certainly hopeful that we can see positive change, uh, but uh, we've certainly got to um, do more than what we're doing now and uh, we really are at that critical point uh, this year in our nation's history. Sue from WA, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. And just uh, to remind listeners that Focus on the Family is coming uh, just uh, just on 10 minutes away. A new time for Focus on the Family and its new format, new time for 2020. And uh, we'll be doing talkback radio like this each day, Monday through Friday, in this new earlier time slot. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be part of our conversation, let's hear from Craig in Victoria. Hello, Craig. Welcome along. Hi, I'm speaking, am I? You are, Craig. What would you uh, like yeah, to say? Yeah, thanks for the debate. Uh, this is a huge problem. It was That previous lady was spot on. I've just got a, lot of, a few names here to mention. Where are these names that speak up for you know, justice? You know, Robert Bernardi, Bob Catter, Dennis Jensen, former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. Then you've got Joshua One, Axe... 1631, Acts 103435, you know, do not mock God. You know, the political, as you were saying, landscape, godly leaders, you know, it's pretty passionate sort of thing. And where's Cole Stringer also? Haven't heard him speak much lately. You should try and get these people talking that are godly leaders. Uh, Hosea 5.15, Jeremiah 17.9. And do these you know, our leaders are deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 17.9. Both leaders, you know, and good on Tony Abbott for doing what he's doing. And look at Daniel, Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier. Look what he's doing. Wake up and repent, and God will blot out your sins. Uh, Craig, interesting thoughts in there, and... Uh you know, shooting from the hip as well, and uh, those things to be said in the right context and necessary from time to time. Uh, Lyle Shelton, your thoughts on what uh, Craig is sharing? Yeah, um, Craig, there are certainly um, some, some of those names you've mentioned have been speaking up, uh, and that that's good. So I wouldn't want to, um, in any way, um, you know, criticise them. But uh, my comments are more general. I, I think across the board, leaders everywhere, uh, whether it's a you know, local church, um, uh, anyone who's got any position in leadership really needs to start speaking up and having conversations with the people they lead. Um, all of us need to be praying for our nation. Um, you know, we've got a um, special prayer meeting at Parliament House, which uh, Warwick Marsh is organising um, again uh, this uh, coming Sunday. Uh, February 7, I believe, um, people are praying and fasting. So I think uh, we've we've got to very humbly come before God at this time and pray for our nation, uh, but we also do need to see leaders um, speaking with courage uh, everywhere, uh, both to their people and to the public square. So that that's the challenge that we face at the moment. Good to have you along with us. Uh, surveying the political landscape at the start of a parliamentary year and 2020 back into full swing for the year. Uh, Talkback lines open a little earlier than you were traditionally used to over the previous years. Uh, still taking some calls, need to be fairly quick. Robin is in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. Are you with us, Robin? 
Robin, uh, we might have missed you today. Uh, just a, a, a few minutes to go before we need to go to focus on the family, Lyle. I uh, wanted to just bring in one more uh, issue, uh, the Australian of the Year, uh, Lieutenant General uh, David Morrison, and uh, he's given some priorities. How does that all fit with the, with the marriage debate and the way that's unfolding this year? Yeah, um, a lot of controversy around the Australian of the Year this year. Uh, look, I think David Morrison's um, stance on, on stamping out um, uh, really wrong attitudes towards women in the military has been a good thing. But uh, then he's taken his position further to uh, endorse transgenderism. Because uh, uh, this uh, Catherine McGregor, a man who's ch- is, uh, changed it to a, or supposedly changed to a woman, um, was a, a finalist from Queensland, although living in the ACT. And uh, David Morrison also using his platform to support changing the definition of marriage. So he, he's taken up some, some really um, radical and controversial agendas. Um, I think he'd be better off uh, uh, highlighting the cause of veterans um, and, uh, and leaving these sort of uh, political issues to the political process. Okay, well, uh, running short of time a little now, I wanted to spend a few moments uh, with encouragement for listeners to this program, uh, those who are standing for marriage between one man and one woman, concerned about what's happening with this debate. Uh, what are you encouraging Christian believers to do to take some level of some form of action in the lead up to this year's election and, and in the lead up to the proposed plebiscite? It's going to be super critical that... Um Everyone in Australia who cares about preserving marriage between a man and a woman for the sake of future generations gets involved. Sitting on the sidelines is not an option this year. In the lead-up to the election, we need to show politics that there's a huge constituency of people who are concerned for marriage. And then after the election, we've all got to be mobilised during that campaign um, to staff polling booths, to to, uh, be at public meetings, to be talking on social media, Facebook, uh, uh, amongst our friends, uh, mobilising the biggest level of support for marriage that we've ever seen. And uh, ACL is going to be working very hard to do this. Uh, I'd encourage people to uh, to monitor our website, follow our emails. Um, we'll be giving people opportunities to get involved practically in the campaign. We need to mobilise the biggest army we have ever seen. If we don't do this now, uh, we will regret it in future generations uh, if marriage is redefined. Well, Lyle Shelton, always good getting your insights and no doubt we'll have a semi-regular or certainly regular updates on a Monday, but we'll take some time through the year too to have an extended time where we'll open our talkback lines and uh, allow listeners that opportunity to speak with you directly as well. Uh, Lyle, I'll point people to the website and of course uh, to find the Australian Christian Lobby, it's acl.org.au. Lyle Shelton, always good getting your insights. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. Thanks a lot, Neil. Appreciate it. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.